Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and joining me again on the show is our good friend, Frank Ford. Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How's it going, James? Uh, it's going good for me. I mean, we are coming off of a, an epic training day yesterday. I was in Binghamton, New York. Now I'm in Albany. Went down there specifically for one thing, and I got it. And you got it. Yes. I'll let, I'll let you tell the story. He snatched 120 kilos finally. Yes. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, there's, there's more to there's, it. There's than more that. to it. There's yeah. more to it. Yeah. But that's, that was our big year goal. And yesterday you snatched 120 kilos for the first time. That's, that's a huge milestone. That's big. Yeah. That was, um, we've, we've been going after that one for months. So it's good to finally check that box off on the checklist. Well, take me back to, the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So pre John North seminar, cause you PR'd your snatch at the seminar on January 4th, yep. uh, getting 116 kilos. What was our PR before that? Before that, I think it was 111. Okay. Yep. That's when I was talking about this with Joanna yesterday on the car ride home. That's what, what I thought it was. So December, 2019, we finish out the year with a 111 kilo snatch PR right at the beginning of the year, we set the goal of getting to 120 in 2020, right? Which is kind of cool. It worked out that way. Mm -hmm. Although we didn't know what 2020 would turn into, but all yeah, not much has gone right this year, but that, this is one thing we got correct. Yeah. So. This is, this is the best thing that happened so far this year <laughs> to any of us. So right away at the beginning of the year, you snatch 116 kilos. So we mm -hmm. add five kilos to the PR and then the grinding started to happen. The drought. Yeah. We're back to no longer getting those easy PRs. And we had to find new ways to work for it. What kind of kept you going mentally from 116 back on January 4th to, let's say, just about a month ago, you hit 117. So right. we added a kilo to that PR. And you had to kind of wait. You had to go through a lot of dark times in training. What kept you going knowing that you can do this eventually someday getting to 117 and then eventually accomplish your goal for the year of 120. I think I've matured a lot in the sport. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm hitting a point in my lifting now that I know that the PRs aren't going to come every day. It's not, you're not hitting these huge, enormous, you know, 10 kilo PRs every time you compete. And, you know, we're, we're kind of having to push the limit, you know, by smaller and smaller jumps and, and there's going to be a little bit more time in between. So I think just being okay with trusting the process, you know, and knowing that it could take a few months, it could take a year, it could take, you know, a couple of years, who knows when the next one will be, but knowing that I was so close and, you know, every time we've tried it, we've gotten closer. Right. So we were just kept knocking on the door and that, that was what kept me going was like, I know this is going to happen. So I just have to keep, keep doing it, you know? It's yeah. And I mean, we had attempted 120 from the hips, from the knees. So two different hang positions. We've gone for it off of different positions, lifting from blocks. And of course we've taken many stabs at it off of the floor. And I think we've even tried snatch bouncing 120. Did we get we, that? We did. Yeah. We did. All right. So we, we've been trying to hit 120 from a bunch of different angles. And it just kind of shows you the value of getting that weight in your hands. 
Like, if mm-hmm. we never try to pick up 120, we're never going to lift 120. Right. And, you know, I, we don't really do a style of training where we're going to be hitting, let's say, all these other lower percentages for bulk volume and then hope that we'll be ready for 120 someday. Right. We're going to take stabs at 120 frequently. Yeah. And, you know, to, to be fair to us, we never overdo it, right? It's never going to be 17 misses on 120. It's normally three strikes and you're out for the day. Yeah, usually I try not to get into those long bad because I mean honestly more than the physical that just beats you up mentally, missing it that many times and just makes it that bigger of a obstacle for the next time, you know, to fight with it for that long. Although when we did the one seventeen, we fought with that quite a few reps. We did. Um, and th- well there's some days where it's like uh you yeah. gotta be stubborn. Like, like we're not leaving here. Day. We're yeah. not leaving here until we PR. Yeah, that one I got sucked in that day like we missed it a few times behind and i'm like come on like there's no reason we should not be getting this you know but i'm you know most of the time we'll we'll definitely call it early you know three four attempts and we're like okay like let's not make this into a let's not put it on a pedestal you know like we'll just come back and because that's the thing is like with our training it's not like i'm gonna have to wait three or four months for my next attempt at it either you know i think that's why sometimes people get sucked in is because sometimes the programs are on don't call for a heavy day for you know a long time so they try to make the most out of they know they're not going to get another crack at it for a couple months and so they want to do it but i i know that in a few weeks you know if i'm just feeling good that day that you've got me as a green light to go for it if i'm feeling it so yeah and it's if it's a day that we're not you know facetiming or anything like that or communicating while you're training you know that I would give the go ahead, like, yeah, let's go for it. Like if you did the work yeah. that we need to do for the day and we accomplished mm-hmm. that goal, then why not have a little fun with it? Because that's the fun part of training, testing right. yourself and seeing what you can do that day. And if you feel good, mm-hmm. why waste that day? Right. And, and also like, I, I think if we, maybe it wouldn't have changed anything for us if the New York state championship was still on, but we're getting pretty close to what that would have been. So, you know, honestly, with COVID and everything kind of pushing everything back, you know, that might've helped us because I don't know where we'd be in our meet prep for the New York state championship. Cause that's, that's like a month out. It would have been like a month out from now. So I don't know if we would have been taking, you know, those heavy, heavy lifts right now. Um, so kind of worked out in my favor, I think. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, you know, we're going to have training. more meets pop up in the future. So I think mm-hmm. having this one twenty under our belt and this big goal for the year just checked off the list is going to just increase the confidence going into those meets. And it'll, I think help us when we go to put 120 on the bar at those meets for yeah. let's say a third attempt. Yeah. And it, it, it was, just kind of shows the value too of during all this time, the value of misses, mm-hmm. you know, like that one day when you were hitting 117, we were missing frequently behind and it wasn't one of those days where we were missing in front. So it kind of tells us, okay, we're, we're ready and committed. We just need to iron out some things in our pole, which is generally what we need to do to get you to connect with a lift, and it'll be there. So I think on a day like that, it's okay to keep going and get those extra couple misses in. But if it's a day where you know we're, we're kind of pulling it and we're missing it in front over and over, and we just can't get that bar turned over all the way back, and then eventually that, that Clark sets in, you know, where you pull and you're like, I'm done for the day. Yeah. Um, sometimes the the body and the bar will just tell you when you're done for the day, but it's good to be able to read into those misses and see whether it's going to be a day where it's not going to happen 
or if it's the day where we should definitely keep poking the bear. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely, it's been something that we've, we've taken so many tries and it's so, it was, it was starting to get to that point where I was getting to be like, why hasn't this happened yet? But I just, like I said, I just have to trust the process and know that like, you know, trust in the program too. Cause I know that like we have our program for the barbell club and before I was kind of on my own thing. And then this year we started kind of pushing me more into doing the same exact training that the rest of the team is. And I think it's been beneficial to do that. Um, that's helped out a lot. I think just kind of giving you that extra push to compete with the rest of the team. Um, but you've also taken the time to add in a few things that are more specific to what I needed personally to make that happen. So, you know, doing, you know, extra deadlifts or, you know, what, whatever other accessory work that you felt necessary, like doing that stuff was the big difference, I, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, both of the PRs that you've gotten recently on your snatch and a couple of the clean jerk PRs have come since you've joined the main barbell club teams program. Right. Uh, we, we had that panda pole training cycle, which right after that is when you got the 117. Mm-hmm. And now at the end of this current training cycle, you got the, uh, the 120. What is it? Would you say that the barbell club training cycles that you've done now with the rest of the team are harder than what we were doing before with you as an individual? Because you got a lot of PRs off of that as well. But it's, it almost seemed like your individual programming favored more the clean and jerk for some reason. Like you're always PRing the clean and the clean and jerk and the snatch was always here and there. Now you're PRing the snatch more frequently. So I'm trying to figure out where – you know, like what's different between the two? I don't know if there's anything specifically different between the two. I think, you know, we just finally got to a point where we just really wanted to focus on the snatch. Um, not that we were ever not focused on the snatch, but I think, I, I think with the injuries that I've had this year, the, the clean and the jerk, even though I've been able to progress there, it hasn't been coming as quick because the, the, the injuries I've had were kind of more, affected by the doing the clean specifically right so I really like tried to hammer hard on the snatch portions because that's where I could do the work with as little pain as possible um so I think that's just kind of I don't know it almost shifted my focus for me because the clean jerk's always been easier so I always have more fun with that and whatever but I mean even back to when it was just my own personal thing that you were doing for me my own program you know we would spend so much time on the snatch and, and everything. So I don't know what the, the difference necessarily would be. I, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe it was a little bit of everything, a little bit of the injury kind of shifting my focus, a little bit of just kind of competing with the rest of the team and stuff like that. So cause I, think, I don't think, I don't think this ball row club program is necessarily harder because you beat me down on some of those other ones. Like even shop made comments after I told him what we were doing. He was like, Oh, I'm glad I'm not on your program. Like, yeah, that was pretty tough there for a while. So. Yeah, and sometimes there'd be like a little bleed over, you know, like, okay, in the club, we're doing thrusters, mm-hmm. and you're doing thrusters, but you're just doing thrusters in a, in a different way than the rest of the club is. You know, um, maybe you're doing something yeah. like that brutal complex, we did that one time where oh, God. we did a clean three thrusters and a jerk, yeah, <laughs> maximal <it>. weights. <laughs> but uh, I, I think competing with the rest of the team is definitely huge. Yeah, like you, you're training by yourself. Yeah. So at least knowing that later on in the day, other people on the team are going to be doing this exact same workout 
it kind of pushes you a little bit to do a little better, to go for an extra lift and to kind of see what you can do. Cause you know, Diana's coming in later on in the day and she's going to set like a, a new personal record on something. And that right. means you have to get your percentages up on what you're lifting yeah. to try to beat her. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that plays a big part into it. You know, adding trade to the team is, is another thing, you know, having somebody that, can lift a, a very big amount of weight is um, it's a good influence on me to make sure that I'm not getting complacent with just being, you know, the guy on the team that lifts the most. Like now he could, you know, a couple more months and he might take that. So I got to make sure that I'm still progressing, which, you know, I'm, I don't think I've ever gotten that way where I was just kind of happy with where I'm at. We've always been pushing through, but you know, it's good to have that extra push um, from the rest of the team and not just you and me. Um, you know, and then the other thing too, I think is big is like, I think we're coming up on, this would be my third, we're finishing out my third year of lifting, right? I'm getting to a point now where the technique is starting to click and it's starting to become less of something I have to think about. And that was something we worked on this year with a lot of volume and stuff was making sure that I'm kind of able to shut my brain off when I'm lifting. And that's made a big difference in the snatch specifically and allowed me to like push that a lot further because, you know, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I had a snatch PR this summer that, yeah, we, we pretty much every snatch PR this summer was basically like we'd miss and it's like, you know, trust your technique, stop thinking, whatever that is. They're always the instructions. As soon as that happened, it, it goes up easy. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I posted your 120 to the Albany Cross and Barbell Club Instagram page yeah. so people can go look at that. And I, I purposely didn't cut anything out of the beginning. Right. I kind of left it on your whole setup process and everything so people could kind of see the mindset and the focus going into it. And yeah. it didn't look like you were overthinking anything. It looked no. like you were getting in the zone. And you know, if you, if you look at your eyes on that video, they're, you're just very focused, but there's, there's, there's clearly like no overthinking going on. Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta pull my shoulders back. I gotta make sure I stay on my heels. I gotta do this. Mm -hmm. I gotta do that. It was just pure focus. And then uh, it, you just shut off and lifted. And that's yeah. exactly what we need to do. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's just always been a thing for me. Like, especially with heavy snatches, like cleaning jerks, put it on the bar, we'll rip at it, you know, whatever. And it's just, I always trust that my technique will be good enough to do what I have to do for the day with the clean and jerk. But it's the snatches have always been something that, you know, we've been improving my mobility improving a lot of other things that now I can rely just on, you know, just being fast and having the right timing and it'll be there. And I don't really have to think about much. Yeah. So what, what do you think, helping. what do you think the difference is between the clean and the snatch on, okay, the clean, most people are more confident on that lift and you just, you just get on it. You, you, you rip it off. You know, you, you do the clean, you, you can see when it gets very, very heavy, people will do that mental focus and they'll kind of phase out. And that is how you want to approach all the lifts, but people can be kind of overthinking the clean a little bit. You're still going to get it, but on the snatch, it's different. There's so much room for error. I almost think for me, it's just the fact that the snatch disappears from your eye line at a certain point versus the clean is always in front of you. So you can always kind of see your hands and you can see the bar, so to say, when it comes up to your shoulders. 
But on the snatch, the bar literally goes into the unknown. It passes your eye line, and there's that moment where you have no idea where this heavy weight is in space, and you just have to be able to feel it, and you have to know intuitively what you're doing with that bar. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my, my thought on why there's a difference between the two. As an athlete, is that what you experience, and what do you think? Um, for me, it's just it, it was always like just the, the not having the trust in my technique. So maybe it comes from that. But that's, that's the way I feel about it. It's just like, I don't, I never had the confidence in snatching that I do in the clean and the jerk, you know, and I think it's because it is such a longer movement, you know, it's going from the floor to overhead, then you have to stand it up all while maintaining balance. And, you know, the room for error is so small. So it's like all those little things rattling around in your brain. And that's the stuff that I have to shut off and just be like, just get it over there. It'll be there. Just lift. And, and there's and that move, un, you know? unknown aspect yeah. of when it disappears. I mean, I mean do you think yeah. that plays into it at all? Like you're not, you're not, you can't see sure. it anymore. I'm sure it does. I don't think I've ever thought about it that way <clears throat> of not being able to visually see the bar. It's just kind of, you know, I guess I, I think of it more as like, you know, balance. Um, but it's basically the same thing, you know, trying to mm -hmm. balance this object over your head out of sight over your head in us in a position that's not as comfortable for me you know it's much easier for me to squat deep in a front squat than it is an overhead squat um especially with with those heavy weights so it's um yeah for me it, it comes down to balance but it probably does stem from the fact that you can't see what you're trying to do you know you just have to again trust it and and that's that's what i was lacking for so long was just not trusting the lift yeah, yeah it's been something I've, I've been thinking about for a long time because you do, you do need to trust yourself and trust your technique to be able to do that lift. Right. But where does the fear come in? You yeah. know, where, where, where does that lack of trust come in? And I'm trying to think about what's different between the snatch and the clean. And we've all done weights that are far heavier than the, the snatch weight that we're lifting on the clean. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I trust myself with this weight that this weight will crush me. This is really heavy weight versus what you're lifting on the snatch but yet that snatch weight is the one that sparks more fear for i guess reason. yeah i guess that's probably part of it that it that it goes out of sight and i think also the the difference of holding the weight in your hands versus holding it on your body because in the snatch you're holding it in your hands and it's just locked out with your shoulders and your elbows um and your upper back whereas in the clean you kind of you're just kind of pushing it back up into you but the weight's really resting on you know that center line of your body if you catch it right so i think there's that too that it's a little bit it's a little bit again like you said like a little bit of the unknown of like i'm trying to hold this weight in my hands and just that feeling of of, of holding it with your arms is a lot different than it resting on your on your sternum you know yeah no i think you're right you know there's there's always going to be an unknown element on the clean especially when you go to pick it up and you feel that heavy weight in your hands mm -hmm. And you just have to kind of ignore that feeling, but at least you, you feel like you have control the whole time. I guess that's the word I would use for myself. I yeah. feel like, all right, I have control over this right now with this narrow grip and I'm going to try to roll it up onto my shoulders. And then I have more help, you know, right. supported by my torso versus on the snatch. It seems like something you have to have a, a much higher level of confidence with yeah. a much lighter weight to be able to feel like you have control in it yeah. and that trust. 
Yeah. So I think, yeah, that feeling of control and, and again, like you said, probably with it not being in your line of vision, you know, like it's probably feels harder to control that way because you can't yeah. see it, you know? So it's, it probably all plays into, into each other. Yeah. And I, the, a, a one way that I wouldn't try to gain control on a snatch or anything like that to try to keep it in your eye line. Looking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't look up oh at the God. bar. And don't, uh, although I've seen people do that before where they'll catch it and it's almost like they're looking up at the ceiling. Yeah. I, uh, I've seen more like masters lifters do that. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's like an old, you know, timey technique or what, but I've seen that. Or if it's, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's a uh, mobility thing too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I were to try that, I would, my weight balance overhead would be thrown off because I'd be, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be throwing my head back. Yeah. To try to do that. And I also wouldn't try to do like correct this. I, the only way to correct this is just to keep doing lifts over mm -hmm. and over and over to gain that confidence and that spatial awareness. But I, I've seen people talk about this in the past and I have tried this lifting in front of a mirror. Mm -hmm. I was um, in a, a fitness center that had a platform and plates and they had a giant mirror in front of it. And snatching in front of a mirror is really weird and I don't recommend it. It like, it like ruined my technique for the whole rest of the week. Yeah, that would freak me out. I went back to it. Yeah, it is freaky. Yeah, because the last thing you want is something moving right in front of your face when you're lifting. Like, I don't yeah. want to be – it's hard enough, like we were just talking about, like shutting off and not thinking. Like, it would be so hard to do that with, you know, a mirror image of yourself right in front of oh, you. Oh, yeah, especially when, like, you're mid-pull and then you notice, you know, your, 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 your feet roll out to the side or your knees come right. in or something yeah. and then – and then you try to change something. So I, I've only done it once. And really, I could have faced away from the mirror. But I was like, well, hey, I don't ever get to try this often. Let me see how yeah. it is. And it no, was I feel, Yeah, I would weird. get too sucked into like critiquing myself mid-lift that you just, I wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> Imagine that you're like mid-lift and you start yelling cues to yourself. Yeah, reach. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> looking in the mirror. People are like, what is that guy doing over there? Oh, my God. Uh, no. So That'd be great. from January to now with 120 mm -hmm. you you mentioned it slightly earlier before was there any point where you didn't trust the process where there was doubt in your head and you're like you know what i don't know if i'm ever going to snatch 120 you know i've gotten so far but i just can't connect with it some days it's heavy some days some days i'm missing other weights that make 120 seem unobtainable um i mean there's always days where you have bad sessions and you're like uh you know, that wasn't great. And like, I, you know, I can't even snatch a hundred clean today. How am I ever going to do it? 120, but like nothing that lingered. I think the only real doubt that ever came into my mind was that like a few weeks there where I racked up those couple little nagging injuries. And, you know, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but it was like over the course of just a few weeks that I picked up, I had like a shoulder issue in my left shoulder. I, had a, a back issue where I think it was just like a tweak in my back that went away after a couple of days, but I had that, I had my, uh, some tendonitis in my right knee that was, um, bothering me for a few weeks. And then I have, um, some issues still in my wrist that I'm going for an x-ray this week on just to make sure that, you know, we're, you know, doing everything we can to get that, get that handled because like I've been able to lift through it, but it's uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, we're talking three, four injuries that racked up inside of a month. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, how am I going to get through this? And, you know, we shifted focus 
you know, you changed the program up for me for a couple of weeks and we focused on just doing some accessory stuff, a lot of, you know, stretching and, and PT type things. And we're able to get rid of most of the issues. So right now I'm just kind of dealing with the, the wrist a little bit, but we're able to fight through it. And, um, you know, that was really the only time where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, come back and, and lift more when, you know, with all these things going on, I can't even lift what I was lifting. Yeah. You know? So it was just dealing with those, but I mean, nothing where I didn't trust the process. Cause you know, I, I give you and I a lot of credit as like a coach athlete kind of combo that I think we trust. It's not just that I trust you, but I think we trust each other a lot with the program and stuff. Like, you know, I'm lifting by myself. Like you trust that I'm going to get the work in. You don't have to babysit me and make sure that I get all my lifts in or, you know, that I'm not skipping, you know, or the clean and jerky mom looks like hell this week that I'm just going to skip it or something. Like you trust me to get the work in and I trust you to steer me in the right direction and we don't have those issues. So I don't, there's nothing there lingering saying like, we're not going to get it. It's just, I got to stay healthy and, and keep doing the work. Yeah. And, and what I think helps too is to have a high level of communication, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like right away, you'll send me your videos after you're done. Uh, in the morning there and we'll 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 take a look at what we're doing we'll have conversations on how the programming went that day and it's great too when i get to see you in person because i don't get to see you in person often mm -hmm. so these last like two or three weeks when i've been out in binghamton twice it's just been nice to be able to see you lift in person and kind of really get a good idea of where we're going because you can always see so much off of a video you know but not right. to say a video can't be effective we've made it work but like nothing beats in person, just seeing the lift, seeing the actual speed, seeing yeah. your reactions in the moment versus, you know, just like that part normally gets cut off of a video mm -hmm. and also just being able to hear the lift and see what's going on. Right. Yeah. It's, it's big. And I don't know if this is going to evolve into a whole other topic here, but just like the remote coach and remote athlete relationship is, it takes a lot of work compared to having a coach that coaches you in person, right? Like, like we have to do a lot of extra things to try and get that because we could just let it ride with, here's your few sessions a week, send me your videos and I'll get back to you when I get back to you during the week with some tips. And hopefully you take that for what it is and go and do better next week. And I feel like that's what you see a lot out there, but I think we've developed a way, whether it be you calling in live and putting in that time or, or coming down here or me traveling up to you or whatever it is, <clears throat> to make sure that we're getting eyes on on my lifts um, live, but also like you get back to me fast. Um, so I'll send you my videos and you're like immediately taking screenshots and texting me back, um, all that. So I don't know. I, I think, think, we've, I think we've been both, able to make that work. Both athlete and coach, both people need to be willing to go the extra mile to accomplish this shared goal, right? Mm -hmm. So like, like you're going the extra mile by waking up at 5 a.m., making sure you're getting all this programming done. If I add in extra stuff, you're not skipping it, you know, based on our individual needs. Uh, you're coming out here for mock meets. You're signing up for meets. So you're, you're doing all the things that you need to do because you could easily have not come out here in February, you know, to do the mock meet, you know, but, right. but you did. And then when I'm able to, I'm coming out there. Like the, uh, right, I'll tell you right now, the, the reason I came to Binghamton yesterday. I was out, I was out there for one day, mm -hmm. drove out there Friday night after barbell club, me and Joanna went out there. And the reason I showed up, there's two. The reason number one is because I was coming to town for 120. 
Yeah. So like you sent me the video of the miss from 315 weightlifting. Uh, shout out to those guys the week before. Yeah. And I came out for 120. So that had to happen. Uh, so that's reason number one why I came out there. Like I, I, Joanna's not here right now, but like I told her, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to go see, you know, see your family, you know, like spend some time with people. This is great. Cause she always wants to go out to Binghamton, you know, to see her family. So like I, I play it off as that, but really my, my two main motives were 120. And also I wanted to lift on a penlay bar and penlay plates on the anniversary of his passing. So right. like, like, like I made, th- those are my two main reasons for going out. But number one was 120. So yeah. I'm glad I was know. able to do it because it wasn't looking, we'll probably get into this in a little bit, um, but it wasn't looking like it was going to happen for a minute. So I'm glad we were able to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, um, you know, it, it, we took a, we had a great strategy going into it. You know, yeah. you were doing all of your, your accessory lifts, you know, some muscle snatches during your warm ups for the 120. Then you yeah. took your regular warm ups and, we had a little experiment going in there with trying to see if we could make the jump from 100 to 110 because that's something we do want to be able to do in the future. And it kind of threw us off a little bit because normally you would go 100, 105, 110. Mm-hmm. We missed 110, what, three times? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a jump. Like I think we've only done it once or twice before successfully. Um, so it's something we wanted to like iron out to make it a little bit easier for like warm-ups and like a bigger meet. Um, you know, but I, I also don't think that – I think that we learned yesterday that that jump is just something that we'll probably have to put some more work into and, and push the snatch number a little higher before we start doing that. So it was just a kind of a – like you said, like an experiment. Um, I, I think, you know, that 105 in the middle there, you know, because we jumped – we missed 110 like three times. And it was like kind of getting a little frustrating because I had my eyes on 122. And I'm like, if I can't hit 110 and I'm taking this three times, like this is ridiculous. Yeah, we're like, off I'm, by 10 kilos right I'm now. Wasting and, ten, yeah. I'm wasting attempts and I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my energy. Like, like this is a waste of time right now. And then um, we decided like strip it down to we put 105 on, we knock up five kilos, hit the 105 first try, went back, hit 110. And, you know, it just got better from there. So it was just making sure that we throw that one in the middle for right now, you know, and, and realizing, okay, we're not ready for it. Yeah. Let's do it so, you hit, so we hit 105, mm-hmm. 110, 115, yep. 120. So it just kind of shows you if you're ha- you know, like, why are you having a bad session? And if you are having a bad session, which that was certainly turning into one towards mm-hmm. the tail end, then just restart, restart yeah. a little bit, bump it down five, 10 kilos and try to get your head back in the game. And we had some things we had to correct a little bit with the footwork going on that 110. It was just too big of a jump to be able to hold certain positions during the pull and being able to keep your balance so that you're not going to land on your toes and you're going to land more flat footed. It was just too big big of a jump. Just wasn't ready for that jump yet, which is fine. I mean, we didn't get into a fight with it for, you know, 30 attempts or anything like that. Cause that's a weight. Like I should be able to go in and snatch 110 any day. doesn't matter where the training's at, how beat down I am. Like 110 is a number. I should snatch it any given day. We should be able to put that on the bar. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it's going to depend on how I feel, but 110 is a number that I should snatch whenever you tell me to. And, you know, just not hitting it for three reps was, that was starting to get a little annoying. So I'm glad we reset, refocused, went down and go back up. Yeah. And I, I know we've done that in the past and it's led to... We had to do it when we got the 117. 
Yep. It, it typically leads to PR. It's like, you know, it's almost like you have to have those, that practice run up and then, you know, you, you get there. Maybe, maybe it's just even the knowledge that 117 or 110 is coming up soon. And, oh my goodness, mm. I'm about to be, you know, going up there. And then you just get, it's just a whole storm of things going on. Too big of a jump, you know, the, uh, the adrenaline spike in, how are we managing our energy levels and how are we managing the mindset going into it? Maybe we need just to take a step back and build back up. And then it's almost like there's less pressure on that second build back up. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a good, a good opportunity to kind of just refocus because I was starting to get like drawn into the number and I need to just move. So it was like those things that we were talking about before, like just shutting it off and, and lifting and not worrying about, you know, what's the number on the bar and am I moving my feet right and all you know, just knock it down a little bit. And I know we didn't knock it down much. Like sometimes we've knocked it all the way down to 70 and started over, you know, but, um, you know, just that little adjustment, changing the weight on the bar. And I think that, I think that helped more than anything. Yeah. And I think when you hit that 115, I think that's when maybe the belief started to come in for the day, you know, cause okay, we got, we got revenge on 110, you know, we struck back. 110 was beating us down but then that 115 was the, was a fresh number and yeah. that 115 was going to kind of set the tone on what happens next I feel right and, and actually it looked a little bit better than the 110 I felt like from the 110 the 115 the 120 like each lift actually was better than the last one you know so yeah no it was I think, I think it certainly was it, it it was the perfect storm you know re reset refocus, build back up, get the technique back. And, um, you know, being able to just not worry about the number. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's a good strategy for anyone to employ, just build it back up. Don't get into too big of a fight with a certain number. I think, I think three is kind of a perfect number on like, if you're going to miss something, unless like you're 100% confident and it was like the closest of misses, then I guess if, if that's the case, if you're going to go for a fourth attempt, you might as well go up. You know, right. you might as well bump it up a kilo to 111 or 112 or 13, who knows. But if you're like hitting these technical misses and it's just not connecting, then bump it down five or 10 kilos and build back up and build your confidence back up. I think it's just a good strategy for anyone to employ. There's no sense for us to spend any amount of time with 110 in that situation. You know, if, if we're five, six lifts deep in 110, we're ruining our own training session. Right. Like we, we should have gone up or down. And I like three just because, you know, weightlifting is a sport of threes. You mm -hmm. know, there's a, a three strikes and you're out. If you, and you bomb out of me or you have right. three attempts. And it's just, this was one of those things that, again, going back to the relationship and rapport that you and I have is like, I probably necessarily would not necessarily would have thought to strip it down. Right. But then you're there with me. And this, this is the benefit of, like I said, the relationship we have is not just like I went to the session. I send you my video later. You were there in person to tell me in the moment to drop the weight down, not seeing everything after the fact when you can't go back and fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and we be were, like, Hey, there. next time it happens, maybe bump the weight down. Right. Yeah. And be like, Oh, Hey, and you know, next month when we max out again, you know, remember, try to remember this, like you were there to tell me like, Hey, listen, let's, you know, not get caught up in the number. Let's just knock a few kilos off and hit it. Perfect. It's going to feel light now. 
and we'll, you know, we're not going to waste time on this. It doesn't deserve you to get stressed out about it. And then for me not to, you know, lay into my ego and tell you to piss off, like to trust you and be like, yep, you're right. Let's do it and move on. And it paid off. Well, and I, I remember now one of the first times we ever employed this, this technique was during a clean and jerk uh, workout. I think it was deficits. Yeah, deficit. It might, was there a jerk in there too, or is it just deficit clean? I think it was just deficit cleans. Yeah, it was a deficit clean. We were coming off, I think, a really good snatch session. Yeah. And then the barbell struck back, and we started to get beat down on this deficit clean workout. You know, I don't remember yeah. what your goal for the day, whether it be 137, 140, 145. You just, you know, we got to a certain point and we just weren't able to connect with lifts. And normally you don't have a problem racking the clean. But uh, at some certain point during that workout, you were having an issue mm -hmm. with the pull or, or the or rack in the clean, and we had to just re, we restart. And I, I don't remember what you were thinking, but it seemed to me, this is through FaceTime, that you were a little skeptical of it at, at first, you know, because this is not something we haven't been able to do before. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might feel like a punishment. Oh, yeah. coach is making me take the weight off the bar and mm -hmm. go all the way down. And we, we, we went down, I think, to maybe 100 kilos. Yeah, we stripped it down pretty far. So it can seem like a punishment, you know, but it just kind of seemed like the right thing to do in the moment. But then again, there comes that trust, you know, even if you're like, oh man, I'm getting getting punished right now. I have to take all the weight off the bar. We're still going to build back up. And yeah. we were able to bounce back and get that 140 or 145, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was definitely the first time we'd ever like stripped the bar down and started over. Might have been the first time. I think it was the first time you ever even suggested it to me. And I was like, what? I was like, so we just wasted all those lifts? That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, that's so what it I just feels like. Wasted all those lifts to start over. And I was like, all right, man, if that's what you think, fine. And so we stripped it down and then, you know, it worked. And then, you know, it's one, just one of those things that like, if it, if it works, great. If not, fine. But, you know, you made the suggestion. So at least I know you're not going to be, you know, not going to be mad at me for doing my own thing. Like, you know, we did what we did what you said, and if it works, great. If not, then we gave it a shot. You know. Yeah, it's like we just had to bump it down, and then get a new focus. Okay, you're gonna try to do this on each of these cleans going up. So like, what you can't make an adjustment when it's at the maximal weight. Mm -hmm. You know, like you could try, and it, you might get it, but it's gonna be really hard to make a technical adjustment at 145. Right. That is the reason that you're missing 145. So yeah. we bump it back down to a hundred and now, okay, now we can make this change, which may, who knows, maybe you're, you're pulling too much with the arms too early or something like that. Or we need to stay a little longer with the arms or the weights pulling you to your toes. Who knows what it was, but we need to make this change now. And then we need to hold this change. And this change is the only focus going forward. We've already gone to maximum today, essentially. Right. So now the only thing we're focusing on each of these jumps with is holding the technical change that we've decided to make. And mm -hmm. then when we get back up to 140 or 145, hopefully it'll still be there It'll because be we there, just yeah. practiced it. Yeah. 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 And it, it paid off. So, I mean, so then that just makes it easier the next time to not have those thoughts in the back of your head of like, what's the point? You know, I just had to trust it the first time, see it happen. And then the next time now it's like, yeah, okay, good, good call. Let's do it. Cause I know it works, you know? Yeah. So and the nice thing is too, is, doing something like that or having the knowledge that if you're having a really good day and you've done your work for the day,
that your coach would want you to, yeah, let's, let's see, let's, let's see if we can put 125 on the bar and get it today and have fun with training. And also noting, knowing that fun in training is emphasized as well. Like, mm-hmm. so why, why are we doing it? You know, like, right. like, uh, like if I wasn't having fun coaching, I wouldn't do it. And if you're, right. you weren't having fun lifting, wasn't doing it. So having that, that trust there, knowing what the green lights are and knowing that fun is emphasized. And of course, PRing is fun. That just kind of teaches you that if no one else is around, you know exactly what to do. You know how to be self-sustaining and you know what all the right calls are going to be. And it's actually different for everybody. You know, like that's just what, what we've kind of funneled you into on what's going to make Frank the most successful. Right. While other people on the club, it might be different. And yeah. they'll learn what they need to do given certain situations because bumping it down and building it back up doesn't work for everybody in the club, right? But it works for you. We know it works for you. So just gaining that knowledge and awareness, you know, both in a a partnership and also for you as an individual is super important. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's an important thing for like, if, if I were to give a piece of advice to anybody who's dealing with a remote coach is, you know, I would say to make sure that they're having those qualities in that relationship that, that you have that trust that your coach is doing those extra things to try and find those little things that work for you and not just giving you some boilerplate program. And, and, you know, here's a couple techniques like you need, especially if you're somebody who wants to compete, like you need to know, you need to have a coach that's going to have you back and, and, and try and find what works for you as an individual, you know? So it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely a benefit. I definitely appreciate that, that back and forth that we're able to have, you know, the communication and everything. Like it just, it just works out. And I see it with your other athletes, the way that you handle Miguel or Schaff or Diana or Bree, you know, Haley, any of them, how you handle everybody a little bit different because you've taken the time to kind of know their personality, what they respond to. You know, you know, Schaff's not going to do anything without his headphones in, <laughs> you know, you know, Miguel or, or fixing his socks. Yeah. You know, Ma- you know, Miguel is going to need a little bit of, uh, you know, anxiety coaching before the <laughs> for his first attempt. And, and you, you're, you know what to say to him to get him in the right zone. And you know what I mean? It's just, you have to, you know, make sure that your coach is getting a chance to giving the time and the effort to get to know you on a, on a little bit more of a personal level to see what, what kind of makes you tick especially in training because like, yeah, like before I've had bad sessions where bumping it down and building back up would have worked and we hadn't done it. And then you were like, Hey, let's try this. And now we know that it works. So. Yeah. And there's, there's athletes I've had that doing that would have ruined their day. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just better to just end the session instead of like, okay, bumping it down and building it back up, especially if you bump it down and they're still not able to make the change and, end on a good session it would that would just be mentally and psychologically devastating you know so it's just all about what's going to work for everybody and and, you know i hear people say this all the time who's your favorite weightlifter right and i think as a coach your favorite weightlifters should be your athletes yeah so it's like like my favorite weightlifters are Haley, brie diana shaf you miguel bella everybody in in the club and it's my job to know all of your stats, all of the aches and pains, and what are we doing to fix them, to know what your competition history is, all that stuff. Like, it doesn't do me any good to know all this knowledge about, let's say, Lasha or yeah. Lydia Valentin 
or like, I don't know what Lydia's best lift is, mm -hmm. but I know what Diana's best lift is. And that's more important. Like, so yeah. it's like, I'm a fan of the sport, but I'm a coach first and a fan second. Yeah. And if I'm going to be a fan of any lifters, it just makes sense to be fans of my own lifters. You know, right. that doesn't mean I don't admire Ilya the goat. Yeah. Of course I'll watch it. I'll watch his videos. I've seen his videos a hundred times. It's like, how can you watch one person's one lift so many times? Well, it's, it's the most beautiful lift on the internet that yeah. you're, that you're going to find. Uh, Ilya's, uh, uh, what was it? A 246 242. or 242 clean yeah. and jerk. And it's like, I'll watch that every, every day. I'll, I'll use, I'll show people that lift. Like, yeah. this is what we're trying to do. But I need to know, all, I don't know Ilya's other stats and whatnot, but I need to right. know that of everyone on my team. So I think as a coach, it's important that your favorite lifters and the lifters that you know the most about are your own. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. It's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, you have the most invested in that. I have nothing invested in if Lasha does anything for the rest of his career, you yeah. know, but it's nice to see it. Yeah, it's nice to see it and we can appreciate it. And there's going to be some other guy that comes along, you know, I'm sure at some point that, you know, is challenging his record someday. So, you know, there, there's, it's going to be, there's always going to be somebody interesting to watch, but like you said, like you've got an investment in your lifter. So that's, you know, it's good to know that your coach, you know, cares enough about that to, you know, not be so worried about what's going on outside of their control that they're just worried about making sure that you've got everything you need. So I, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going back to your question from before. Like I don't have any loss of confidence that it was going to happen. You know, maybe, I guess maybe when we first uh, started working together a few years ago and you told me, Oh, you're going to be snatching like 130, 140 one day. And I was snatching like 70 kilos at the time. Yeah. And I was like, what? Um, you know, but once but, you type in, once you type it in, uh, your calculator and do times. And reali yeah. Realize how many reds are on the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, snatching like 70 kilos at the time. And you're like, yeah, you're going to snatch like 130, 140. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. If I ever snatch a hundred kilos, I'll be happy. And, you know, and here we are just knocking on the door. So it's yeah. Just and now, now you've learned what it's like to put in the work too over the course of a few years to go from, 70 kilos 60 kilos to 120 you know mm -hmm. we've essentially doubled your your snatch put 60 kilos on your snatch since first meeting yeah yeah i think the first meet i think i i missed 60 on my first attempt yeah yeah you did so, <laughs> so bad you, you, you um, missed yeah, it and then you like power muscled it power muscle starfish snatched it yeah, yeah there were no crazy. there were no squat snatches you know yeah back no, then no but yeah so yeah, we've come a long way, <laughs> a long, yeah. long way. So yeah, that video. Now, needs the the pass. next thing we need is we need to get Frank Ford, a training partner, because I mean these the you went out to three hundred five weightlifting and you're lifting yeah. with John and other people that are there on his team, and you you can feel the difference. Like it's like you, you PR'd your clean and jerk, you got the one fifty six, and then uh you know like I, I came out there yesterday. And we're lifting together and, you know, I'm coaching you, but it's also more like athlete to athlete mm -hmm. time, you know, like it's, it's different. You're seeing someone else trying to move fast. You're seeing someone else miss a lift yeah. and then tell you, okay, I need to get this lift so you can get your lift. Right. Because you know, like, because you're setting a pace and a tone for one another. Like when you make a lift, I make a lift, you miss a lift, I miss a lift. And did you notice that that happened? 
a, a couple yeah. times where I, I missed a lift and then you missed your next one right after it. Right. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, you definitely feed off the energy in the room. We talked about that while we were up there when I was up at three, one, five, I talked about that with John. It was myself, John and Gwen. Um, and Gwen's one of the, the crosser coaches and, um, she's a really talented lifter too. She's qualified for a lot of meets and stuff. Um, you know, and, and John is, you know, qualified for like AO finals and he's like right around that national total too. Um, so he's, he's a really talented lifter, somebody that he was at that first meet that I went to in Mohawk Valley and I'm snatching 60 kilos and he's got 300 pounds on the bar. I'm like, Hey, you want to see, I remember you tapped me like, Hey, you want to see somebody snatch 300 pounds? And it was John. So now to be able to lift with John and be lifting comparable weights to what John was lifting. Um, cause we were basically trading back and forth going kilo for kilo on, on everything. Um, he got me in the snatch and I got him by a few in the clean and jerk. Um, so lifting with those guys and, you know, we were, I just, just missed that snatch PR. And, um, I think it was right in between our snatches and our clean and jerks. I was talking to Gwen and she was like, yeah, she's like, isn't it crazy how everybody comes? She says to John, she's like, isn't it crazy how everybody comes up here and they just lift better and they're shooting for PRs and they're, they're putting all this on, on the bar. And, you know, my response to that was it's the atmosphere. You know, you get some people that you're having fun lifting with. It's new. You want to, you get that little extra adrenaline rush and, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go up there and not perform. Right. So you're just like kind of pushing yourself extra hard. And I don't know, it's just, everything kind of clicks. And, yeah, and the, the fun thing is too, is not everyone has to be on the same level. It's just, you just need a body in the room to yeah. feed off of and develop rhythms with like at the, the John North seminar, there's 20 people there and the majority of them had never snatched or clean jerk before. You right. know, we had a whole minor combat crew come out like the entire gym yeah. and they'd never done it before, but it pushed you to get that 116 PR. Yeah. And of course the music's blaring. Who knows how many bang energy drinks you had. Oh, I, think I, had I think I had three by that point. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's like you're, you're full of caffeine and John's yelling at you yeah. and everything. And so it's like, of course you get that PR because you're coming from an environment where you're lifting by yourself. And I almost wonder if like, if it's a, uh, if that, that, that's like an interesting thing in training. What if you deprive someone of the atmosphere for so long, then you put them in it and then they just blow it out of the water and just destroy well, I think, it. You know? I think that's proof of what happened, right? Like, cause I yeah. always train alone. I, so I've been like, especially through this whole quarantine, I've been deprived of any sort of atmosphere. We haven't had meats. We haven't had people in the gym, nothing. I'm just there alone, yeah. you know, and no then I get to blow up interaction and, at all. you put two, you put two people in the room with me and we're all feeding off each other and having a, gr a great session, you know, where I train alone for however long and then go to this situation with John's seminar in, in February, January, whenever that was. And, and there's 20 people. And I didn't even realize until after the fact, and I saw the video of that 150 clean and jerk. Um, I didn't even realize the, kind of like how like everyone was like surrounding my spot i didn't realize everybody was basically done lifting at that point and they had kind of like surrounded my corner and like so you're just, just going off the feel of it like i didn't i wasn't looking i didn't know that everybody was there it's just the energy in the room yeah all you those know, voices crazy. yelling at you, you yeah know, it's, and, and maybe subconsciously you can feel that all those eyes are on you too and it pushes mm -hmm. you a little more it's almost like you know when you're driving on the highway and you're in the passenger seat and you look at the car that you're passing mm -hmm. and that person always looks over. Yeah. Like it happens every single time. Like how do they know 
I'm looking at them. Like they just always, always look. Yeah. And it, it's probably because they feel somehow from some survival mechanism, I'm being watched right now, you know? Yeah. So imagine how that plays in when you're going for a big lift, you're in the zone, but like mm-hmm. you, you can feel the energy and you can feel that 30 people are watching you right now. Yeah. And you're not no. thinking about it. You're just, you're just using it. Yeah. I'm just like laser focused on the barbell. And then I go back and watch the video that John had taken and just saw like the line of like all the people, all the minor combat guys were all kind of lined up along the side and everybody else was kind of in front of me. You couldn't really see them. Um, but you could hear everybody talking behind John on his video. And you like, so there was like a, just a giant group of like 20 people. And like, even though I wasn't paying attention to it in the moment, like then you realize the, just the energy that you must've been feeling that plays into it. It's, it's huge. And that's why, you know, I, I enjoy that. And that's why I enjoy competing too. You know, a lot of people are scared to go get on the platform because they don't want all those eyes on them. Um, but you know, they don't, they don't want all those eyes on them. So they're, they're kind of scared to go on the platform. But um, for me, like, you know, even though maybe I'm not paying attention to the crowd, it, I feel like I feed off that energy. So yeah, the, the eyes help and at a meet or when you're training that the beautiful thing about weightlifting, and I feel like it really sets itself apart from other sports because there are other sports where it's different. Everyone wants you to succeed. You know, like, like when you're at a seminar or you're training with your team, you know, I mean, at least we've never experienced this on any of our teams and I've never seen this at a seminar. There's not one person in the room that doesn't want you to make that lift. And no. you know, of course, like at a competition, all right, there are some people who <laughs> Maybe don't, one or two that yeah, don't, want you, who don't want you to make a lift because they want to win or they want their athlete to win. Like I'd be lying if I said every attempt I've seen at a meet that I wanted that person to make, you know, if you're competing with my athlete and I'm watching you mm-hmm. and in my head, I'm like, miss. Miss, miss, you know, <laughs> but, but you know what, when you make it, I'm happy for you and I'll clap, right. you know, but in the moment we're competing, like, like, like it's almost like the, um, the ball is in play. So while you are out there, if, if there's some guy who's competing with you, then while he's out there on the bar and the, the, the play is in action, miss, 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 yeah. he's going to miss it or he's going to get pressed out. But as soon as those white lights go up on the board, great job, man. Awesome. Yeah. That was a great lift. Well, that, that's the great, uh, great part about this sport, right? Is like, you can't, you can't really blame all the other guys or girls for where you place, right? Like your result is a direct or your placement's a direct result of how well you do it has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. You have to go in and do the very best that you can and sometimes it, it works out and sometimes the other people just lift more weight. There's, there's nothing, there's no real argument there. You know I mean? I could see some situations where maybe like you thought you saw an arm bend and the ref didn't call it or vice, whatever, vice versa. Um, you know, there might be a, a blown call here or there, but I mean, really it's just a matter of you have to go out, lift as much weight as you can and hope that you did enough to win the day. Yeah. You have to do it. your job. So, you have to yeah, sell yeah. You have to sell your lifts. You can't sell someone else's lifts. So you can't be, yeah, you can't be mad at somebody else for, for lifting more than you, you know, then, then you should have lifted more. Right. So it's just, that's really all you can do. So I'm, I'm happy when, you know, other guys shouldn't say I'm happy, but I'm not mad when other people make a lift that would be right. Like if, yeah. if I'm going to be mad at them, then I need to be mad at myself for missing that snatch that I should have had 
or you know maybe I should have pushed the cleaning jerk a little further or something or maybe I didn't have the right game plan and I you know that, that again that's all on me it's not any result of those guys so I don't wish anybody you know as I, I look at it the exact same way as you do it's like yeah like you know come on hopefully it took too big of a jump maybe it's not gonna work but as soon as they hit it it's like hey man you earned it like I can't take anything away from that yeah no like because we all know how hard the training was that went into them making that lift because we're right. all going through hard training. So when they go out there and they do their job and they express all of the hard work from their training, it's like, wow, awesome. And then it kind of motivates you. All right. I, that's, I need, I must, I need to up it to the next level to, to get to that guy or get to that lady, yep. you know, um, and not, and make my lifts and it's going to be diff- different every time. It's a, such a unique sport and such a wonderful sport, you know, like I, I'm sure in like, I'm sure there's other things where like on, um, maybe football, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I've never done any of those other team sports where other people on the team may not want other people, their teammates to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's something you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it depends. Like when we opened the show and I talked about maturing in the sport, there's a lot of maturity that needs to happen, um, especially with a team sport. It takes a very mature person to set their ego aside. You know, because of course I want to be the star. I know my ability is X, Y, and Z, you know, um, but there might be somebody else who also feels the same way about themselves. And if they don't have the maturity to set their ego aside and trust that the coach's decision is right, then it can cause some friction. So for example, my first year playing semi-pro football, um, I came in, um, I was fresh out of college. It was in, you know, I was in great shape, Um, you know, and I, I, I had some friends that were on this team and they're like, Hey man, like you need to come, you know, if you're done with college ball, come play for us. Like we, you know, we need a running back that, you know, can do what you can do. So I was like, all right, like, I'll come try out. So I went to tryouts, and, um, you know, from day one, basically they slotted me right in as the starter and that rubbed a couple people the wrong way. Um, one guy in particular didn't really love the fact that, you know, he had been there for the last season or two and, felt that he had put in this work but you know at the same time the coaches saw a different fit for what my abilities were versus what he could do and slotted me in as a starter and you know so you know and he didn't have any problems making that public you know he he voices opinion yeah he voiced his opinion and you know again like I've been a part of team sports since I was four years old like I know you know, I've been, I've played on a lot of teams, you know, especially in college, it really puts you in your place, you know, because everybody on my college team was the best player on their high school team, you know, so we all come in thinking we're hot stuff and we're just scrapping to make it to the travel team, you know, because there's like 110 guys on the team and we're just fighting to make it so we can travel because you can only bring like, I think like 50, 50 or 52 guys on the bus. Um so, so that was it. So we're, we're trying to scrap together just to, just to make the travel team, let alone get on the field, you know? So and there were some older guys that, you know, didn't, didn't make the travel squads and, you know, juniors and seniors that you would think like, Oh, they would get to go, but you know, the coaches make the decision by, by the, what they need on the field. They put the best 11 guys out there, you know? So this guy on the semi-pro team, I don't think he had ever had to deal with that and learn that lesson. And, um, you know, so he, you know, makes some waves and, you know, the coaches yeah. and other players would tell him like, dude, like, what are you complaining for? We went out first game and, 
the guy had, you know, he had 180 yards and two touchdowns and we won. Why are you mad? We won the game, you know? And he's like, well, I should have been out there and played that. And, you know, he's like, well, you know. And you might not have won. Yeah, like it's not, you know, the, the coach made the right decision. We put we put the right team out there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. Like you'll run into that sometimes yeah. for sure. And it's like, you know, if, if there's someone on the team that's better than you and then what you need to do and ask yourself is what are they doing that makes them better than me? And I think the first part of that though, is putting your ego aside and admitting that they are better than you. And then ask your coach, Hey, how can I, how can I get to that level? And also talk to that person because they're your teammate, you know, like, like, like they would, they should want to help you because if they get you better, then they're also going to have to get better themselves and getting someone else better gives you more understanding of the craft that you're trying to embark upon and it'll, it'll make everybody better. And that, that's just another great thing about weightlifting, you know, like when we're all together at like a meet and stuff and you guys can all mix it up, you know, I'm sure Shaf and Miguel and other people will ask you a question or, or st- stuff like that. And, or they can like listen to something like a show like this and kind of hear about the process that you've gone through and, and learn from it. And they should always be chasing you. You know, they should always be trying to chase you. Like when my own training, I let Shaf know all the time, uh, like I'm, I'm trying to get to a hundred kilos before you like make it competitive, you know, know that someone's chasing you, but also it's like, here's how you, how you can get to 100, you know, as well. And I'm also going to try to make you better than me, but I'm going to still try to be the best I can be because that'll also push you to be better than me. Oh, I lost you. You're, you're muted. Can you hear me? Are you there? There we go. There we go. Just a loose wire probably. Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you. All right. So, yeah, I had two examples of how that kind of a, like has happened to me in the past. Like going back to my college football team, like I went my first week on campus and I went and I picked out like, cause I knew when I did my um, like visits and was like kind of picking the school I wanted to go to, I, I had met, you know, some of the other players and I knew who the, who the team's running back was. Cause he was, you know, an all American, like really talented guy. He's better at football than me, plain and simple. And so like my first week on campus, I went to him and I'm like, Hey man, like, can I work with you? Like, what are you doing outside of practice? in the gym he's like yeah this is when we lift this is what we do you know we go to the field at this time you know make sure you're you know eating right and doing this and doing that and he had no problem helping me because he was you know a senior and I was a freshman like he knew I was no threat to his starting job but you know he also knows that he doesn't want his school to go to crap when he leaves either so he's like if I can help a new guy out and somebody's there to you know push me and help me out you know then it's whatever so so like yeah like you know kind of took me and a couple other guys under their wing, some of the, some of the older players, you know, were like, okay, these guys want to work. Like, let's, let's work with them. And, you know, it helped us get better, you know, and that's part of the reason why I was able to like work my way up the depth chart a little bit and make it on those travel teams as a freshman and, and make it, um, you know, sneak my way in, into a few different, um, a few different spots on the depth chart that, that they had to bring me with them, you know? So that was good. Um, and then going back to high school, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but I ran track back in the day in high school. Um, I was a sprinter and a jumper, but I had never done, um, 
I had never done the triple jump before. This is why this is why it's always a battle to get you off your toes. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have several people on the club that have a track background or like a swimming dive into the pool forward background. Uh, everyone everyone on the club is coming from a, a sport in the in, in the You're past the where they're on their toes. So wow. it's, uh, this is all making sense now. Yeah. So, but I'd never done a triple jump before, and I went to a meet. Um, during the indoor track season, which was in winter, and we drive out to Cornell in Ithaca, and they have an indoor track, and we do all of our track meets there. So throughout the, the season, um, I was doing like a couple different, um, you know, sprint races and, and relays, and I was long jumping, but I'd never done triple jump. I just assumed I was too short for it because typically your ideal jumper is like a tall, long-limbed person will you know especially for the triple jump they'll they'll just have like a really long legs and and uh, can cover a lot of ground you know so i just assumed i was too short for it but i was like you know i really want to try this so i grabbed one of the kids from another school that i had never met before that was good at the triple jump and i was like hey man like i saw what you guys were doing you're done do you have any other races tonight and he was like no i'm like hey do you think you could take me over to the pit and like show me how to do this because i've never done it before fast forward to the end of the year um, I had practiced and whatever, and I, I told my uh, coach when it came time for class championships, I was like, put me down for the triple jump. My first meet ever doing triple jump. I was like, put me down for the triple jump because we don't have anybody on the team doing it, and we can get more team points that way instead of having me as like, you know, a third guy doing a different race. I said, put me down for the triple jump, and I won. So, like, it was, it was kind of neat um, to be able to do that. But, yeah, like, you know, again grabbing that person and being like hey can you show me and you know it paid off yeah and that that could be anyone you know i mean if you're a new weightlifter at a meet you know talk to people talk to your competitors talk to other people from other teams and whatnot yeah. and then run ideas back to your coach and most coaches are going to be receptive and be like hey yeah let's let's experiment with it you know i i like it when people come to me with ideas because if you come to me with ideas that tells me you're thinking about it and you're invested in it, right? Like you're, you're, you're doing research, you're reading things and that can be a, um, you know, yep. a negative thing. If you're too into the articles and you're always changing your technique and whatnot, that's why you should run it back to your coach to see if it's a good idea. But I like it when people bring me things and they're like, well, what about this for me? And I'm like, well, let's, let's try it. And then if it doesn't work out, then we, we move on. But you coming to me with something tells me that you're invested. Shows me your level of commitment. I think your headphone died again. There we go. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Sorry. Um, right. Anyway, I'll just go without it. So the um, yeah, that's that's true because I know it's frustrating for some coaches when their athletes are kind of spending more time trying to coach themselves than than letting the coach do that. Um, but there is some benefit, you know, for someone taking some interest in you know, the, their program and, you know, Hey, I'm feeling this. Can we try that? You know, little things, you know, like, like we were talking yesterday about me taking the hook grip off when I'm using the straps, right? Something silly. And I was like, yeah, I want to try it. I think it's working. And you're like, yeah, no, if it's working, go for it. Um, you know, just little stuff, little stuff like that. I mean, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. Like, I think you should program me for this or that. Then, you know, if, I, if that's what I think, then why am I wasting your time? Right. So like, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, I don't need to tell you what to do, but for sure an athlete should be invested enough to, you know, if they have an idea to bring it to their coach and that they have a coach 
as well. I know if I bring you an idea, you're not going to jump down my throat and be like, what the hell? Like you, your job is to lift and I'm, my job is to coach. Don't tell me how to do my job. You're not going to be like that. So, well, and, and if you remember too, you know, I knew you were going to three, one, five weightlifting because mm-hmm. um, you had some business to take care of out in Syracuse. Yeah. And I was excited that you were going to go out there to lift with people because right. I tell you all the time, I wish we could find you a training partner and it'd be great if you could lift with people because that's a benefit that everyone on the club has other than, than you. And when, when, when they're going for PRs at the club, no one else is lifting. Like it's, they, they get into their own rhythm where it literally works out to almost one or half the room lifting at a time. And then the other half of the room or the, another person lifts, they, they, especially when it gets to PR time, they all kind of settle into an order. And, I, and you can see them talking to each other and making hand signals from across the room on who's going to go. And sometimes it's funny. People will get forced to go. You know, They'll force each yeah. other to go a little early. Um, but it, it, that group atmosphere is something that they all have a benefit from. And they all PR like crazy. But mm-hmm. it's something that you don't get. And when you were telling me how it went out at 315, one of the first things I asked you, I said, well, did, did John say anything? What did he – like, did he uh, – did he say anything about your lifting? Did he give you a cue? Any, any feedback, right? Because I'm not going to be offended that you went to go lift with John and he's like, hey, Frank, uh, your elbows are always turned back, turn them out, and then you PR. It's like, no, like, I, I see what I see and I only get to see a video, you yeah. know? So like, I'm not going to be offended if, if, you're, if someone else gives you feedback. It's like, let's use it because if that means we qualify for nationals, then that means we qualified for nationals. Like right. how we got there. Like it doesn't, it's not about me. You know, this is about you. You're the one lifting. I'm just a part of the team. So right. I'm a part of team Frank. I'm a part of team Haley. I'm a part of team Schaff. I'm not the leader of the team. You have to be the leader of your own little mini team yeah. and bring me back the other teammate, some of that feedback. And then I'll help you use it the best way possible. Cause I'm the one that's working with you all the time. And this is something that coach Glenn Penley, you know, told me and he said it many times other places is that his job as a coach is to eventually get you to the point where you don't need him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, now you might want to stay with him, you know, and like if I get someone to the point where they don't need me anymore, then I've done my job to its fullest extent other than like the fullest extent of winning championships and, uh, and qualifying for teams. But if, if you're self-sustainable or you're able to go on to the next level because, you know, uh, Pyrrhus Demas wants to coach you, you know, something like that, then like that's, uh, that's the job of a coach, you know, because it's not, again, it's not about me. It's about the athlete. And it's also about giving athletes tools to be sustainable to the point where maybe they want to be a coach someday all on their own. You know, it's important that everyone on the team knows why we're doing all the things that we do so you understand why we're doing no feet snatches and what that move does and why it's helping us as a team and then now you're an educated athlete and then if you see someone who might need that drill maybe you offer that advice to them at a meet so now now you see it's like a whole trickle down thing where like maybe Haley's at a meet and some girl or lady at a meet approaches her and you're like hey uh how do how do i do what you do. And she's like, Oh, well, I used to have the problem that you had, but I do this drill that my coach had me do. This is why we do that drill. This is how it helped me. And she has that knowledge to pass on to someone else. 
And that person may never ever talk to me, but then they go on and they do it themselves and they find success with it or they take it back to their coach and hopefully their coach is receptive enough to take that feedback in and realize that that athlete had investment in their own, you know, uh, self-improvement. And then they work as a team together to use it. And no one's offended by any of it, you know? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's just grow. It's just growing the sport, you know, really, you know, just allows everyone to be, to be able to offer that and, and continue to grow that atmosphere we were talking about at meets that that you know i mean that's what's weightlifting so unique you know it's not just a bunch of kids on a football team that are jealous over this one got more carries than i did or whatever like this is about you know just the sport as a whole and it really you know when you go to a meet it's not there's not a ton i mean sometimes there's some rivalries going on you can kind of pick up on a little bit of tension here or there you know or you might have your eyes on on a lifter that you're trying to that you're trying to make sure that you beat or something like that. But for the most part, like you can go to anybody at a weightlifting meet and be like, Hey, can I jump on this bar with you? Or, you know, Hey, can you, um, you know, do, do you think you can give me some advice on this? Or, or, you know, you can go up to a coach and be like, Hey, do you think you could help me out counting if you're not busy during the session, you know, anything like that. And, and anybody's more than happy to help you, you know, and, and just putting out educated athletes like that just helps kind of keep that going. Yeah, you know, it helps so, the entire community and it helps, I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if, if there's like a coach sliding into your, your DMS saying, you know, privately, like, Hey, you should come join my team, blah, 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 all that stuff. Well, now I have to go get my baseball bat and I have to, (laughs) I have to go drive somewhere. And then we have to, we have to take care of that. But you know, like the situation from 315 weightlifting, that's perfectly okay. That's, that's encouraged. That should be encouraged across the board and people should feel open to, helping one another instead of being like, like maybe I'm not going to say something or someone else isn't going to say something because, well, I don't want to make their coach mad, you know, because I'm talking to their athlete. Like, and of course there's a place and a time to do that. Like at a weightlifting meet during the session and other things, definitely don't talk to someone else's athlete and give them advice, you know, but like there's a time and a place. The best way at a meet is to go talk coach to coach. Like, yeah. like, like, Hey man, like, like I had a guy that was doing the same thing and this is what I did. Just, just want to let you know, like there's, there's of course etiquette to it all. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the personalities and stuff like that will always play a factor into it. You know, if, you know, if you have any prior dealings with that coach, you know, they may or may not be receptive to what you have to say, you know, but um, yeah, it's, you know, John, John's cool. Cause he's got his own team that he coaches and, and um, he's invited me to a couple of different, times to come and lift with him in various places whether you know because he also lifts down at a gym down in Pennsylvania every once in a while um and then he's got his gym up in up in Syracuse so he's like you know hey come lift with me come lift with me and it's not he's not bringing me in to try and poach me from your team or anything like that he just wants somebody to come lift weight you know he just wants somebody yeah, as to- we know that's it's hard to find sometimes yeah he just wants somebody to come lift weights with him you know and and you know we you know, we fed off each other pretty well. You know, we got to the clean and jerks and, and he was taking jumps specifically based off of what I had just made to see if he could beat me for the day. And the same with me, you know, I put, you know, I had a goal of getting a PR, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I needed that PR to beat him. So that gave me that extra motivation to, to make sure I stuck it. And, so, and you know, that's, that's something else that, that Penley used to say, you know, in, in, in many ways, training partners are more valuable than, than coaches 
Like, like if you could find a tra- a good, good training partner, that might be even better than having a good coach. You know, yeah, I just, I just know for me, like, I just want to be the best lifter that I can be. And whether that takes me to AO finals or nationals or, you know, eventually maybe make a team or something like that, then it will, you know, but it was interesting, like just a few shows ago when you had Trey on, what was that um, quote he had from Glenn about um, the difference between a, a good athlete and a great athlete? Oh, uh, taking plays off. Like if the ball goes to, let's say, the right-hand side of the field and right. you're covering a guy on the left-hand side of the field, you mm-hmm. could take that play off and no one would ever know. And you would just keep, you know, just being an athlete on the team. And that's the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete is that a great athlete will play that play hard, even though the ball's not coming anywhere near them. Right. And so, and so I've had like a similar version of that told to me from various coaches through various coaches throughout my, you know, high school and college and and post-college sports, you know, and I always was that guy, like I may not be the biggest guy on the field, but I'm going to work the hardest. And that's the way I'm kind of going after my weightlifting career right now. Um, You know, I know that it may not be my day every day, um, but if I keep working hard and not taking days off and, you know, um, not, you know, shaving off sets off of my work and stuff like that and make sure that I'm doing every rep of every set, you know, every day that I'm going to get better. And so that just loops back again to that that trust of – you know, between, between you and I and just trusting the process. So yeah, you're, you're on a kilo quest. Yeah. So keep sure. get, get more of them and keep doing everything you can. And so yeah. is everyone else. Yep. Well, um, awesome. Frank, it's been, uh, it's been great talking to you today about this 120 kilo PR. Congrats. I question before I get out of here today. Oh yeah. Um, how was it? And I, I know this is kind of sensitive, but I wanted to ask anyway, how was it yesterday coming down and being able to lift on the Penley bar with the Penley plates? Oh, it it was great. It was great. You know, I, I, it it wouldn't have felt right to use any other equipment. So I was like, you know what, let's go out to Sona. Frank's going to get that 120 PR and really uh, my lifts felt better on that bar than, I don't know if it's, it was just a, the fact that it was a Penley bar and Penley plates uh, it just felt better uh, than it has been recently. And maybe it's because I was trying to put in a little extra on every lift just because of the day yeah. that it was, but it was, it was really nice. It was great. So I'm glad you guys uh, uh, have that stuff and let me come in there and whatnot and coach you up and do the lifts. And I had my Penlay shoes on. So it was all, everything was Penlay yesterday. You know, and I read all kinds of articles yesterday and just, it was just kind of a Penlay kind of a day. And I, I tried to spend my day the way that, that he would approve of. So yeah. I went in, I coached. So here, here's, my pen lay day drove out to Binghamton coached you to a new snatch PR. Awesome. That's, that's what coaches do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then you got that PR did my own lifting. Uh, so had to get my, my max out in for the day. Uh, maybe took a, a, a weird jump on my clean and jerks. Cause I, I'm using a, it was like a mix of kilos and pounds and those kilo plates that are in pounds, you, you do the math wrong. So like, like these Penley kilo plates were in pounds. They weren't in kilos or colored plates. So I ended up going from 70 kilos or 155 to I think 175. And then I, uh, so I had the black bumper plates on there and that's 175 pounds. You jumped to 205. 
then I, yeah, then I jumped to 205 because I put the greens on okay. thinking in my head that this would be 185 pounds, mm -hmm. but it, it was actually, it was a, it was a 30 pound jump and you were gone. You went to the bathroom and Tracy was like loading her bar when I yeah. did this, but that clean was so ugly and it felt, it felt like death. Like I, yeah. I was like, holy crap, how in the world did it get so heavy all of a sudden? And then as I'm sitting there, you came back and you're doing your clean jerks. And I'm just like looking at the bar and I'm still not understanding the, the math and, the, and the, the, what happened. Cause I, I totally thought, you know, normally I'd have a green on the outside. There's a blue on the inside. Right. I had that red on the inside. Right. And I didn't account for the extra 20 pounds. Right. So that got me there. So either way, got my lifting done. Then uh, Joanne and I went out to Cracker Barrel. You got to eat, got to mm -hmm. get that post-training uh, meal in. So I had a stack of pancakes and some uh, chicken tenders for breakfast and eggs and grits and biscuits and gravy and apple juice because someone in the club on Friday put apple juice in my head. So I had to get apple juice because I haven't had apple juice in a while. So I had that big ass meal and then I just kept eating all throughout the rest of the day while doing uh, programming for weightlifting right. and, and the club. So that's a perfect uh, pen lay style day right there. Yeah, it was pretty amazing seeing all the outpouring of like everybody just writing little things about him on social media and stuff like that. So it was it was pretty cool that it was uh you know that you were able to do that on you know specifically on that day and kind of a little bit of a memorial day for for him. So yeah, essentially that's what what it might become. You know, a memorial day where it's uh it's the one most official max out day of the year where you got to go in, you got to max it out. You know, PRs for Penlay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, read some articles, watch the old Cal Strength YouTube videos. Uh, I did a special podcast the day before, the one before this one called Master and Apprentice, where mm -hmm. I kind of talk about our relationship and just working together. So it just all felt very appropriate, you know, just because, you know, we, we can't forget him. You know, he was such a large part of everyone's life and such a large part of weightlifting. So it's, yeah, uh, it's got to be done. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to meet him in person, but, you know, hearing the stories from you and, um, you know, seeing all the videos and everything else online and just, you know, absorbing his content that he's made and stuff like that. Like I can appreciate everything he's done for the sport. Um, so it was pretty cool for me too to be able to hit such a, it wasn't just a PR, it was like a big milestone PR, you know, 120 is, is a, you know, for your first time hitting it is such a big number and, yep. and just such a milestone. It's, you know, it's, for some reason, whatever those, you know, it's like hitting a hundred kilos for the first time, you know, and then that 120 is two reds, right? So it's like, you know, it's, it's a big, big deal. And to be able to do that on, you know, a day that everybody's trying to remember somebody who did so much for the sport, you know, it's kind of good little feather in the cap. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you saw, but I turned the uh, blue Penlay plate towards you before you did it. I was like, hold on a second. Let me, let me turn Penlay. So I turned, I turned the blue plate so the words were perfectly aligned that if you looked, you'd be able to read them because they were upside down before. Obviously, I'm when I'm lifting. I didn't see uh, that. I didn't see you sneak another five kilos on my bar afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I turned the plate and I said, you know, let's do it for Penlay. I don't know if you heard any of that. And then after you were done lifting, I, I snuck on another five because we have to pull on 125. Like it, it was definitely yeah. going to be the last lift of the day. So I was like, well, okay. let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, that one wasn't, that one didn't go as close. I mean, hey, we went under it. So, I mean, it just didn't, uh, didn't get all the way there, but. Yeah, know, next that, time. Next battle, right? 125. Yeah, and the, it's uh, probably the most bitter, bittersweet part about it is I used to be able to tell them about 
PRs that you got or PRs that, you know, other people in the club got. And he would say, well, good job. You know, now, yeah. now get him, now get him 150, you know, like, yeah, like exactly. I, I would like, cause like, I would just tell him about, you know, like how like Kim would, you know, do at a, a, a meet or something like that. Hey, we won worlds, all that stuff. So that was just a fun thing to be able to come back at him and be like, Hey, look, I did it. <laughs> Help me. Good job. You know? And he would, he would approve in some way or not, or just ask him a question. So yeah. that's the only bittersweet about it. The thing about it is like, you, you can't talk to him anymore, but you can certainly honor his memory. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was definitely, definitely a fun day. I appreciate you coming down. Yeah. Well, I, Hey, speaking of PRs, we'll end the show with some shout outs to the team here. Oh, yeah. uh, so we had a bunch of PRs go down last week. Renee, newest person on the team, PR'd her snatch. She got 70 pounds on the snatch, and she PR'd her clean and jerk. We did uh, 125 pounds. So that's pretty darn good for Renee there. Snatch, clean jerk total. Yep, yep. She's uh, getting, making good progress. Next up, we got to get her in a weightlifting meet. So yeah. that'll, be, that'll be soon, her first weightlifting meet. Schaff hit 195 pounds for a double from the hips on the snatch. So good job, Schaff. Uh, Bree hit 110 pounds for a double from the hips. Oh. And it's a, it's funny that we're talking about Penley cause these are all Penley positions. These yeah. are like when I was out there, you know, like out there in Kansas, uh, having Addison max out and they're maxing out from the hips, you know, like they're doing the same thing we're yeah. doing. Yep. Just trying to get another kilo on, uh, Haley hit one Oh five for a double from the hips and one fifty five for a double for the clean. So wow. she's getting, the, the rust, the rust is coming off. Like she's, yeah, she's going to be back up there pretty soon. And then a final PR. Oh, actually, uh, uh, Diana, she PR'd her snatch with 120 pounds. I don't remember if I said that on the show yet, but remember I messaged you. I said, Hey, Diana got to 120 before you. It may not be in kilos, but it was in pounds because yeah. uh, that day the, the goal was to try to get 120, 160 in pounds to beat you to 120, 160 in kilos. She did it on the snatch, but she didn't do it on the clean jerk. Yeah, me too. So we were we were right there the same week. Yeah. So that's that's another fun thing I get to do as a coach is I get to like like poke the bear, so to say, and be like, like, hey Diana, let's get 120. And she's like, why? I'm like, because Frank's trying to get there first. You know, and even though it's in kilos, it's like it's like uh like I'm everyone's friend, but I'm also like like planting these seeds in other people around. And it's like it's, against each other, you'd be yeah. a devious guy. Yeah, that's that's it's a fun. It's just super fun, just being that like the devil and the angel on everyone's shoulder, being like, "Yes, you should go up. Let's try to beat Frank." You know, like, uh, and hey, and it worked. But the uh, the final PR was uh, uh, Bella. So our our youth athlete Bella lifting on the team. She hit thirty five pounds from all three positions: snatch, knees, and from the floor in a complex. So she's right. making big progress. That's huge. Yeah. So great job to everybody on the on the team. Shout yeah. out to all those PRs. End of the training cycle coming up next week. Yep. So let's uh, use some of this information. Let's push each other on the team to make more PRs and uh, we'll get back to it again soon. Uh, make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow James A. McDermott on Instagram. Frank, where are they following you? Frank underscore Ford underscore on Instagram. Awesome. Make sure you follow Frank on Instagram. Uh, make sure you check out his 120 kilo PR on the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club Instagram page. Head on over to Apple and iTunes. Leave a five-star rating and some positive feedback or 
any kind of feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Frank, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me, James. Hopefully we get another PR and I can come back on soon. 160. 160 160 clean jerk. Yep.